be reading today a lengthy passage of scripture and I labored over reading this much scripture uh, at one setting because it's Acts chapter 7, 2 through 47 and I kind of labored over that earlier in the week. Should I read that, that many scriptures? And, uh, but I just couldn't get away from the history that we find in Stephen's sermon and I want us to think today our history, our life, our journey. And so this is a lengthy passage of Scripture. And if you are physically able to stand up, I would encourage you to. But I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 7, beginning in verse 2 and reading through 47. Stephen here is on trial and he is delivering this message filled with the Holy Spirit to the Pharisees and Sanhedrin and the high priest. And Stephen said, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran and said to him, Go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. Yet he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length, but promised to give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him, though he had no child. And God spoke to this effect, that his offspring would be sojourners in a land belonging to others who would enslave them and afflict them for four hundred years. But I will judge the nation that they serve, said God, and after that they shall come out and worship me in this place. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob and Jacob of the twelve patriarchs. And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him out of all his afflictions, and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. Now there came a famine throughout all Egypt and Canaan, all his household. Now there came a famine throughout all Egypt and Canaan, and great affliction, and our fathers could find no food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers on their first visit, And on the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. And Joseph sent and summoned Jacob, his father, and all of his kindred, seventy-five persons in all. And Jacob went down to Egypt, and he died, he and our fathers. And they were carried back to Shechem, and laid in the tomb that Abraham had bought for a sum of silver from the sons of Hamor in Shechem. But as the time of the promise drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt, until there arose over Egypt another king who did not know Joseph. And he dwelt shrewdly with our race and forced our fathers to expose their infants so that they would not be kept alive. At this time Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight, and he was brought up for three months in his father's house. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. 
When he was forty years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers of children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Now when forty years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. And as he drew near to look, there came the voice of the Lord, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. And Moses trembled and did not dare to look. And then the Lord said to him, Take off the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their groaning. And I have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? This man God sent as both a ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for forty years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers. He received living oracles to give to us. Our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside, and in their hearts they returned. They turned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, "Make for make for us gods who will go before us." As for this Moses who led us out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days and offered a sacrifice to the idol, and were rejoicing in the works of their hands. But God turned. Turned away and gave them over to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you bring to me slain beasts and sacrifices during the forty years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You took up the tent of Moloch and the star of your god Rithen, the images that you made to worship, and I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, just as He who spoke to Moses directed him to make, according to the pattern that he had seen. Our fathers in turn brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David, who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word today. You may be seated. Here is Stephen is on trial and would shortly after be stoned and put to death, is declaring to the high priest and those judging him their history. 
He's telling them their history, but he's also, in the scriptures following where we stopped, telling them that, that not only their history, but he was condemning them for missing the point of their history and for missing the bigger picture of their history that is found and fulfilled only in the Christ that they hung up on the cross. Missing the purpose of the journey. And here, that's why I felt compelled to read this lengthy part of Scripture. It began with Abraham when God spoke to Abraham and called him out of a pagan uh, nation, a pagan place, a land, and to a place that God would have him go, that he was giving to him and his people after him. They were missing the purpose and the point of the journey that it is with God's presence. They missed, and were missing, and still many miss today, the greater Abraham, the greater Moses, the greater patriarch, the greater David, the greater Solomon. His name is Jesus Christ. Beloved, our God is a pilgrim's God. And by that I mean that we are pilgrims. He is a pilgrim's God. And He is always with and always leading those that are on this journey of faith in our Lord. And He's with us today. And He wants to speak to you today and help you in your journey where you're at. Heavenly Father, I pray for your divine blessings and hand upon not only me, but each person here. You are a pilgrim's God, Lord. Help us on our pilgrimage. Speak to us fresh and anew today. In Jesus' name, amen. Why is this story so important to us? Why is the story of God's people so important to us even today? I answer that very simply because it is our story. That we might not be Jewish per se, but we are spiritually to those that have received Jesus Christ as the personal Lord and Savior. We are God's people. We are the spiritual Israel, if you will. Abraham is our spiritual father. So this story is important to us today, and we need to learn and grow in our understanding of this story because it is our story. God's given it to us. But also, this story is important to us today that we need to understand this story of this pilgrimage because God gives us a language to use as we journey. In this story, we find a language for our journey of faith. We find a language for our pilgrimage. Some people... Um, are aggravated when they say we speak Christianese, our own language. But you know, everybody has a language. If you go to a mechanic shop, they speak about things that they know about, right? And it's Chinese to me. I don't get, understand what it does. I don't know what a carburetor does. You can laugh. That's okay. I really don't. And, and though if you go to uh, the mathematics department at the university, they speak 
in ways that not all of us understand. And so God's given His people a language for us to speak to each other about, to others, and to find ourselves. But that is also what it does. Not only is it important for us to hear this story because it's our story, it's our pilgrimage, not only is it important for us because it's a language that God gives us to speak to each other about and to others, but also because it's a compass, if you will. It's a map, if you will. It's a GPS, so to speak, that we find where we're at in this journey. Alistair McGrath said this, Each of us has a personal journey to make from our own Egypt to our own promised land. We have left something behind in order to make this journey. We have had to break free from our former lives in order to begin afresh. We were in Egypt. We were delivered from bondage. We are in the wilderness on our way to the promised land. The story of Exodus involves us because it is about us. This is about us, what Stephen is proclaiming while he's on trial here before he would be stoned and enter, if you will, into the promised land. In Stephen's sermon, I want us to notice this language that we have about our journey. And let us see our story. Let us see our language. Let us see our navigational spot where we find ourselves today. At the beginning of the sermon, we see a promise given to Abraham. We've been given a promise of another life of a better life, a home that is ours that God has prepared for us. God told Abraham, I'm giving you a place where not only you will dwell, but those that come after you, your offspring, Abraham. And so we have a promise of another life, a better life, a home that is ours. We see that in this life, in our journey, this isn't all there is. There is so much more than what this world has to offer, what Satan has to offer, what I can offer even myself. There is a better life, and Jesus invites us to begin our journey and follow Him in this life. Not only did we see a promise, but in Stephen's historical citing of his sermon, he speaks of the bondage that God's people found themselves in. That God led a man named Joseph into Egypt and he gained favor with Pharaoh. And he was second in all of the land and over Pharaoh's household. He saved thousands upon thousands of Egyptians and others surrounding nations from starvation during a time of great famine. But there came a time when Joseph had died and all of his brothers, the patriarchs, and Isaac and Israel, and they didn't, a new Pharaoh came, and he didn't know Jacob, and he didn't care about the Hebrew children. And the bigger problem was they began to multiply and grow strong. And so in fear of the number of the Hebrew people, he put them in bondage. They made them slaves to the Egyptians. God heard their cries. He heard their pleas for help as they were in bondage for some 400 years. And then we see in Stephen's story where God raises a liberator to liberate His people. His name was Moses. 
And that's the other part of the story. Not only do we have a promise, but we see bondage, realizing that we were or are in slavery, not in the place where God wants us, in a strange land, in slavery. In bondage, we find ourselves chained to our sin, to chained and a slave to death and to hell. But then we see the liberator. To the Hebrew people, it was Moses being brought out of slavery, slavery to sin, death, and hell. And we also see our liberator liberating us, and His name is Jesus Christ. Not only do we see the promise, not only do we see the bondage, but we also hear in our story of the liberation, and then we also see from Stephen's sermon the language of wilderness. We understand what the wilderness means. The Hebrew children were taken out of the land of Egypt across the Red Sea as it parted, and they went into the wilderness. And on their way to the promised land that God had told him he would give them if they only trusted him. There, what should have been just a few days' journey turned into 40 years. Because they lost their way, they did not trust the Savior and His promise. For 40 years they wandered in that wilderness what should have been just a few days' trip. After those years, then Joshua and Caleb and the younger generation under the leadership of Joshua would then go into the promised land. The promised land is the arrival of the place that you've been journeying to. And here you see this this language, this story that God gives to us even today. A promise of a better life. An eternal life. He speaks to us of bondage. When we are not where God wants us to be. Where we are a slave to sin and death and hell. He gives us a language and a story of being brought out of bondage by the liberator, Jesus Christ, releasing us from the grips of sin, the grips and the sting of death, and rescuing us from hell. He gives us the language of the wilderness when we lose our way on our journey. When certain things happen to us, some out of our control, some most certainly within our control. And we begin not to trust the Savior and the promises given. And we wonder for periods of time much longer than we should in the wilderness. And He's given us the story, the language of the promised land. The arrival of the place in which we've been journeying by faith in Jesus for so many years. This is our story. This is our language. Look at the many hymns of Zion that has been written by this story of the promise of slavery, of liberation, of freedom, of the wilderness, and of the promised land. We have sung some of those hymns today. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need Thy tender care on our journey. Guide me, O Thou great Jehovah, as we travel through this pilgrim land. On and on, song after song, sermon after sermon, life after life of faith, we see this story as our story. We see this language today in our journey as we travel through this world below, holding on to the promise of God.
being brought out of bondage, being liberated from sin, death, and hell, being rescued even from the wilderness, and eventually brought to the promised land. Beloved, first I speak to those of you who have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And you can know the language and still not know the liberator. Today, if you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are rejecting the greater Moses. God sent Moses into Egypt to free God's people. And God has sent Jesus Christ, the greater Moses, the fulfillment of the greater rescuing to liberate you and to rescue you and to save you from sin, from death, and from hell. And if you have rejected receiving and accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, turning your nose up at the liberator, thinking you'll find your own way out of your bondage, Beloved, you are in bondage and will be, not only now, but throughout eternity. You will not be liberated upon your own works, upon your own wisdom, upon your own strength, upon your own plans, upon your own idea. You are in bondage, and the only one that can free you is the one that God sent His only Son, Jesus Christ. I encourage you today to fix your gaze upon the liberator, Jesus Christ, to call upon Him in prayer and by faith and ask Jesus Christ, lead me out of bondage, free me from sin, free me from death, free me from hell. Begin the journey, Heavenly Father, and lead me all the way through the promised land. Be with me in my wilderness experiences. Never let your hand remove, be removed from over my life. Today, would you call upon the liberator Jesus Christ? Would you trust the promises of God that there is a better way? There is a better life. There is a home now and eternal for those who trust God's way of freedom. God has given us a language. This is the language I speak to you today. Would you be free? Would you be free? In your toil and sin, place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. But also to the Christian, we still use this language today. The language of promise. The language of bondage. The language of liberation. The language of wilderness. And the language of promised land. Because even though we understand that we have believed the promise, we can still find ourselves in bondage to many things. We're surviving but not living the abundant life that Jesus Christ came to give. We know deep inside that we're in a place where we do not belong. And we're waiting helplessly to be set free. There are parts of our life that are still in bondage that need to be liberated and set free. We understand that there are promises that we still need to trust in, even though we are Christians. Promises that need to be anchored deep within our soul. We understand that there are still parts of our life, or periods of our life, seasons of our life, where not only we are in bondage, but we need to be set free. We need liberation. 
And we need to be reminded that the one who saved us is the one that can free us from the bondage that we find ourselves in at times. We need the liberator, Jesus Christ, to lead us out. We need set free from the disappointments of this life, the pains of this life, the addictions of this life, the hurt of this life. Liberation happens when we finally decide that what we really want and desire is what God wants and desires for us as well. We also find ourselves in the wilderness, even as God's people at times, where we despise how He feeds us, where we're not amazed by the water that comes out of the rock or the bread that falls from heaven or the quails that are put before us. And we begin to grumble and complain. We begin to walk in religion. We make golden calves for ourselves to worship, so to speak. We lose our way. I have. I do. And then we also have the promised land, the promised life. Not only do we know that that is a place for us when we pass from this life to the next, but I believe also we experience Canaan at points and periods in our life now. There are times, whether they be for a minute or a day or a week, where we feel so close to God. We are so freed by His promises, by His presence, that we live in Canaan now. And it reminds me of that old song, I'm living in Canaan now. And that's what the author of that song was describing. No, they were not physically or spiritually in paradise, in the land of promise, but they were experiencing the love and the presence and the mercy and grace of God so greatly that the writer of that hymn said, I'm living now in Canaan, the promised life, the promised land. There are times we experience that now, and that should always, each day, be our journey as we seek the Lord, as we knock upon the doors of heaven to find His presence, to find His blessings, so that even for a moment in this troubled and weary land, we can live in Canaan. i tell you, the last uh, two, really three years of my life have been some of the hardest for many different reasons. But I want to tell you, even though it's been the hardest with circumstances around my life, I don't know in the last three years if I've ever had a period in my life where I've experienced so many promised land moments. Because the, the troubles have caused me to seek Christ like never before. And He is faithful to come to me and to give me the rest in my heart that I need for the journey. This is, our la- this is our language. This is our story. This is our song. This is where we find ourselves in the journey as we pilgrim through this land. We hear the promises. We see the bondage. We experience the liberation. And we wander in the wilderness. But God's hand is there in the wilderness as well. And He leads us into the promised land. Into the promised life. Beloved, Stephen gave us a story. God's given us a story. You've been given a story today. You've been given a language today. 
to use. You've been given a map today to find where you're at. And this is where we've come to a close. Where are you at on your journey home? Where do you find yourself on this journey? Are you hearing the promises? Are you in bondage? In slavery to sin? Enslaved to death and hell? Have you been liberated by Jesus Christ? Have you been? Are you being? Will you be brought out of Egypt and begin your journey to the promised land? Christian, are you in the wilderness right now? Are you in a season where you're stuck and you don't know where you're going and you've forgotten the way? Would you come back to Christ? He's been feeding you all alone. His presence never leaves you. Would you come back to that promise again? Would you experience promised land today? Will you fix your eyes on the journey? Remember that psalm we read at the beginning of the service? Psalm 84 and verse 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways. Let me change that word into what some translations say. Blessed are those whose strength is in you whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Is your heart set on the pilgrimage today? Would you come today and receive Jesus Christ? Would you, O Christian, come back and come out of the wilderness with the help of the Holy Spirit? Would you come and follow through with what God has led you into? Would you fix your eyes on the promised land, the promised life? And here's what I promise you. if Because the Bible says it, I just read it. Blessed, happy are those whose hearts are set on the journey. Don't get your eyes fixed on the things of this world because it will rob you of your strength and of your joy and of your peace. Today, would you set your eyes and your hearts on the pilgrimage, the journey with God, with the liberator Jesus Christ, with the helper, the Holy Spirit. Call out to Him today. Heavenly Father, today, fix our eyes upon You. Anchor us in Your promises, O Lord. Help us to find ourselves today on this journey and continue to lead us, Heavenly Father, with Your presence. Have Your will and Your way in this time of invitation. Draw Your people unto Yourselves. Free those that are in bondage. Liberate them this morning. Help them, O Lord, through the wilderness and lead them to the promised life in the promised land. Give us your glory today, Lord Jesus. And in your name we ask these things and pray. Amen.